Hello and welcome to episode 81 of the British Wrestling Experience on postwrestling.com and I'm your host Martin Bushby and joining me as always is Benno and our new co-host Andy Ogden and uh, how's it going guys? Andy, uh, what have you been up to this month? I see you've, um, as well as sitting in the undergraps of the UK wrestling scene, you've been to quite a few gigs this month. Was it Bring Me the Horizon in Sheffield and then didn't you see the Blossoms doing Smith songs with Rick Astley? Yes, yes, um, I did. Um, the uh, Bring Me the Horizon gig at the uh, Sheffield Arena. First time I've been there since uh, NXT was there with uh, UR Nation and Samoa Joe. Oh, cracking, cracking concert. I didn't have the uh, £22 pizza, but I had the <laughs> two pints of uh, uh, the super pints of uh, Star of Prime. And, uh, but now, cracking concert and the, uh, the Blossoms and uh, Rick Astley. Who um, you might think, oh, Rick Astley, oh, you'll never give, you're never gonna give me up and all that. Mm. But he pulls off a great Morrissey. He didn't have the gladiol eyes till later on in the act. <laughs> it was yeah, spot on. I've seen the Blossoms on their own before, and they're like a big band in just outside Manchester in Stockport. And uh, no, it was a excellent concert, uh, Martin, and obviously plenty of undergrads. Um, so what? So was Rick Astley doing like a obviously Rick Astley world famous for you know the Rick roll and everything? So was he was he doing like an impersonation of Morrissey then pretty much? Um, no, I, I would say he sounded a lot like him. You know, like ha 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 ha. But um, no, but in in his in his own right, he was cracking. As a, as a singer, I thought, oh, I, I never, where did this Rick Astley turn up from? <laughs> well, that's hilarious. I, I remember Ben, I was seeing that advertised and I thought it was a joke, but clearly, you know, the tour went ahead because Andy was there in person. But um, how are you, mate? Um, I was listening to the uh, MCU later where uh, earlier today where WH was chatting which uh, post members we were all going to be, uh, which post members were going to be members of the Wu-Tang Clan. I mean, you must have got a massive kick out of that one. Oh no, I didn't because they, they made an image of it and they left me out. They the entire <laughs> post family and they left me. I like, you know, see, see no evil post today. I've known him for a, for a very long time, known him like way back. He used to run the, the Wu Lyrics fan site I used to post and the Wu Tang uh, World forums back in like the early 2000s. Both go back years and yeah, he put the whole post family together on an image and Ben was left out. However, they did quickly make an edit. I think, I think our mate WH Park had, had a word and poor. Uh, Poor Brandon got uh, got kicked off for me to be all dirty <laughs> bastards. So I was worried there that I was uh, that I was that I was being killer priested out of the group. That's an inside reference for the true Wu Tang fans. But <laughs> no, I was included in the end, so I'll take ODB. So that 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 does work for me. I don't even know who I was. Was I the Rizzer at some point? And I thought, what was it? Became the leader. <laughs> you were master killer by the end, um, which is kind of like he was like the, the last member of the group to join, and he was like he had one of the best verses on the first album. He's like the it's like a dark, mysterious kind of member of uh, of Wu Tang Clan. He's one that the all of the hardcore Wu Tang fans always always kind of had a, a soft spot for. So you know, it's not, not the worst to me. No, no. Uh, what about you, Andy? Uh, Wu, you know, talked about Rick Astley and the Blossoms. Um, Wu Tang uh, Clan are they something that you were uh, having your uh, playlist regularly? No, not around the mean streets of Rochdale, mate. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I know when you're living it, you don't need to listen to it, do you? I suppose. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that, that was my excuse as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um... <laughs> 
But I'll see yeah. you guys up too. Did you? Uh, did oh. anybody watch the uh, Tyson Fury against Deontay Wilder fight on Saturday? Uh, I mean, I used, I'm a fair weather boxing fan. I used to watch a lot of it back in the day with like sort of like when you know it was big in Sheffield, sort of like with Prince Nassim and the like. But you know, I'm I'm too old now to be staying up till five a.m. to watch it. But I watched it on Sunday, an absolutely cracking fight. I mean, you know, as far as heavyweight boxing goes these days, it was absolutely awesome. Really. Really, sort of like you know, slobber knocker as, as Jr. might call it. But um, either of you two guys, boxing fans, did you see that on Saturday? Yeah, um, I, well, I, I didn't. I didn't pay for the fight on uh, BT Sport. I, I, I watched one of them streams that come up on YouTube. You know where someone's got it zoomed in at three hundred. Uh, I've, I've no idea what you're on about, Andy. I've never heard of <laughs> such a such a thing. <laughs> um, but what, 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 I could, Sorry, what, what I could decipher from um, uh, what I've seen on YouTube, crack, cracking fight. It's, it's just, yeah, there was a point around the ninth round where Fury had Wilder on Wilder on the ropes, and then as soon as that 10-second signal goes for the uh, last 10 seconds of the bout, like Wilder just waking up and starting throwing bombs but the thing was with Wilder he's known as someone who tries to get it over and done with in the first maybe mm. five rounds he's not he's not a stamina person he's very much a one punch fighter but got to give it to Fiore he's uh keeps pulling it out of the bag against these um big opponents but who can you say he's left now you sick you can't really say Joshua well it'll all be it'll all be uh Fury now, won't it, if, if Joshua wants that fight still, because it'll be like, yeah, I'll do it, mate, you know, and it'll be in the venue of my choosing with, um, you know, uh, you know, a, seven, a 70 split in, in favour of me and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's the only way that'll probably happen now. So he's got all the, he's got all the bragging and negotiating rights in that one, hasn't he? Yeah, definitely. Def- definitely. So it'll probably happen in Saudi. All the yeah, probably. Yeah, definitely. What about you, Ben? Are you, uh, you something that you're interested in? No, I'm not a boxing fan. Um, it's all fake, innit? Um, never. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've kind of I've, I've dipped my toe in it in MMA before, but boxing's uh, never really appealed to me. But no, for me, like the last month or so, really, I've just kind of been it's getting to those winter months, isn't it? So I've just been enjoying just being inside. I think I've had as a an adventurous uh, a month as Andy. I've just been uh, chilling in the house with a uh, you know it's that time of year where all the spiders start to come in. That's when you know it's getting cold outside and <laughs> uh, just ch- 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 chilling here, watching watching Squid Game. The Sopranos movie just kind of that's been there taking up my time the uh, the last month or so as well as obviously all of the millions of hours of wrestling to watch. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's definitely uh, got chilly over here in the UK, hasn't it? My uh, up next uh, podcast hoodie's been getting a lot of wear the uh, past couple of weeks. <laughs> uh, get your own on uh, prowrestlingtees.com. Cracking hoodie, Especially really comfortable. Now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so yeah, but I suppose that you know. Um, before we get into anything else, it was the uh, big transfer window show um, the other week. And uh, me, Benno, Jamesy, Kate from Montreal, Andy Thompson and Waiting all took part and put our fantasy cards together from the wrestlers we chose. And obviously it was up to you, the listeners, to decide who put together the best card. And the vote has been open for a long while now, for about two weeks, and it closed today. And I just before we reveal reveal the results, Benno, any final thoughts on your card, the show as a whole? Would you have done it any differently? Always easy to say, isn't it? It's like mm. you go in with a game plan. The game plan always falls apart, at least for me, it always does. And then you're just scrambling. And it was it's quite funny, like listening back, you know, I was 
missing on people like you know Miro and Andrade and other names like that that, that were drafted really late, but. It was so hard. We all had to kind of keep track of every wrestler like in the world, didn't we? I even had, I was cheating. I had my game at TW open. So I was using that going, okay, well, I'm going to sign Jess, who's, who's available in each company. And even I didn't um, didn't spot them. So uh, yeah, it's hard It's hard to, to play it tactically. You always afterwards have got, got regrets and such. But you know, I was I was happy with my card I put together. I think I got some compliments on the double main event. Couldn't really compete with the other the, the two who uh, were first and second. I actually don't know who's won myself. So I'm waiting for you to reveal it. To me, but I, I was happy to kind of be be mid table. I'd watch my uh, Punk Tanahashi and Andrade Lesnar matches uh, any day. Britt Baker, Becky Lynch as well. So proud of the card I put together, but maybe it needs to be a bit more, uh, but more creative uh, than to throw it in the uh, the jumping trampoline center in Enfield. I'll have to uh, <laughs> think a bit more uh, next year uh, tactically and uh, throw some more crowd crowd pleasing uh, gimmicks and steps in there. Yeah, I was the same. I had a big list, and I and. And then when people start picking them up, you forget who people have picked and you start panicking yeah. and then sort of like just throwing, you know, throwing names out there and stuff. Yeah, you think your uh, venue is bad. I bet a lot of people, you know, especially out even in the UK, were probably going, Rotherham, where's that? Um, for my, <laughs> <laughs> my venue. But uh, Andy, <laughs> Andy, obviously, you know, you, you were going to come on, but uh, you had a prior commitment going to a tidal evening of recording. Uh, did you have a chance to listen to it? Anything you would have done differently or anything you were like, oh, I can't believe they didn't pick this guy or that guy? Um, to, to be honest, because uh, I went into it thinking, um, that, well, my tip to win it was Jamesy. And when I seen his card, of, it was it was one of them I sort of expected uh, from like Jamesy, like a lot of technical wrestlers, a lot of strong style wrestlers. But uh, and when it when it come out in the end, I thought, yeah, that that's probably the card I'd go for. Uh, mm. But then again, you can't have. I think in my own thinking, he's having seven seven matches of all, all like you know top quality. I, I'm I'm certainly one for more. Uh, like a variety show, mm. uh, you know, like a comedy match, women's match, like tag matches and all that. But no, I, th- I think uh, the way the cards come out, I wouldn't have done, wouldn't have changed much about them. But yeah, I definitely think James's was the, uh, yeah, the best on, best on paper. If we sign the well, contract for Andy to join the show permanently, yes. Can we get Jeff? I feel like Jeff. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> the betrayal. <laughs> no, he's right. James is great. Back Andy. <laughs> right, no, anyway. Um, so yeah, we'll get the. I've got the results up now, and um, with fourteen votes, we had Kate. With fifteen votes, we had Andrew. Then eighteen votes was me. Way up there with forty-seven was Benno, and then it was neck and neck, weren't it? From like after about four days between these mm. two, these two juggernauts of the uh, wrestling world. Jamesy and Way, and there's only one vote in it. Oh, wow. At number two is Mr. Waiting, the Cowboy, with 83 votes, and Jamesy with 84 votes. Congratulations, Jamesy. Second time winner. The guy said he never wins anything. Well, I think he should go and buy a lottery <laughs> ticket this month because, uh, yeah, he seems to do well in these drafts, doesn't he? He's always first as well, isn't he? but that's not the reason he wins. But like, yeah, he has, <laughs> he has the, uh, the look there. No, I, I think pure wrestling wins also for sports entertainment there, I think is probably the uh, the story. Waze was, uh, like I say, barbed wire, 
rope exploding death tube battery there, Nick Gage and John Cena, and you know the the whole uh, Jericho and Bad Bunny loser stop making music match. He went for it. He went sports entertainment, but yeah, the, the pure sports build of uh, of our James. You were there, Brian Anderson and Tim Thatcher on top, um, Walter and Junaki Armour in the mix. I think that just uh, was too appealing for some. If I had no uh, voter for myself because I'm an egotist, I probably would vote for Jamesy. So you know, still impressive. We won by one vote though. I won't worry, Ben. I think everyone votes for themselves. But, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I know that got a lot of talk, didn't it? Blaze, uh, uh, Bad Bunny against Chris Jericho, you know, loser stops making music match. Yeah, that was absolutely hilarious. Very creative uh, work, obviously, both from uh, Jamesy and Way there. So, yeah. Um, a worthy winner in Jamesy, and um, obviously, you know, no Jamesy and losing to Jamesy there for the rest of us. Uh, thanks, shout out Nate Milton. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah, Jamesy's imaginary show is winging its way to Dublin right now, and uh, yeah, we're definitely gonna, you know, we had some great, great feedback for that. Everyone seems to enjoy listening to them, and then, um, you know, we'll try and schedule it when, um, you know. On the one day of the year, Andy's not a, a, a title or, you know, Northern Wrestling show next year. And, you know, James, he was saying, you know, he, he's got some other ideas and some twists we can put on cards. So we'll definitely be bringing that back uh, next year. So it'll uh, be interesting to see what that where that comes. But um, now we've got the big news out of the way. It's on to uh, on some Brit rest because um, it's been another busy month for Red Pro. Um, they had a bunch of shows in London, uh, Cambridgeshire, Southampton. But the... Uh, the big one last month was the uh, return to York Hall with high stakes on the 19th of September. And Benno, you were there live. Me and Andy watched on the uh, on the Red Pro On Demand service. Uh, just before we get into the matches, though, because I know we were all wondering how well they would do uh, for the return to York Hall, you know, first time back post-pandemic and post-speaking out. And I've got to say, from watching the VOD, you know, while it didn't look as full as it has done, it looked like a pretty decent crowd and a, and a pretty good atmosphere, Benno. I mean, you'll be able to talk better to that than me and Andy. Yeah, definitely. It was, you know, I, I would have pegged it at, what, four, five hundred? Well, what's like, a, what's a maximum your haul that we've seen when it's been busy? Are we talking like 700 or so? Uh, I think I the am- max capacity is like, is it not uh, just over a thousand? Is it just over a thousand? Is it that that big? Well, yeah. So you know, I'll probably peg it at about five hundred or so. Could be a bit higher then if that's maybe the max because it did. It didn't seem quiet. We haven't got any uh, you know official numbers on it or anything, but yeah, you know there were there were people everywhere. There was you know it wasn't like it was uh, you know that Manchester show that that, that, that me and Andy were at um, not long ago at Victoria Warehouse. You know it's a it was a big old place, and while there were a good few people there, it, it felt a little bit empty because there were lots of uh, empty spaces just because of the size of the building. It, it definitely wasn't like that here at your hall. It was a you know comfortable. It was a good atmosphere, um, and I felt like everyone was up for it. I mean, I've got got a million good things to, to say about the show or maybe two specifically and um, when it comes to the mm. last two matches <laughs> i've got to say being back at your hall was an experience i think i was reminded you know pining this entire um lockdown kind of last last real thing that i did before you know covid hit was went to your hall for, for rev pro on, uh, on valentine's day last year and this was kind of you know it almost felt full circle going back there and, and getting to go to see a big show there and Within five minutes, I realized why I don't like your hall and I always regret it when I make the trip. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so as, as good as much as I'll say the atmosphere was great and the like, there's still all the you know the normal problems everyone will say about, about your call. One, the the bouncers, you know, treat you like you're gonna be a school shooter on the way in and you get you know, you get metal <laughs> detectors up the arse and all kinds. It's like it is it's so full on because they treat it like a boxing 
event in that way. And then when it comes to the bar, they treat it like, well, these are wrestling fans. They're all virgins. They won't want to have a drink. And the bar is barely stocked. You know, Andy would be crying tears. The, uh, the, 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 the selection on draft, I think, was gone before the first match ended or maybe even before it started. Um, and then it was, you know, back to bottles and horrible, horrible queues that were completely disorganized and kind of stretched around the building as per usual. Part of it maybe, you know, think, oh, we're back home. This is this is the this is what Brit Res is like, isn't it? We've uh, I've imagined in my head these great days out at your call. Uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. the uh, the venue and the security were very full on, even when the shows are going on, you know, trying to make people sit down and move people from allegedly being being in aisleways and such. Like that does always put a damper on things. And you know, the, they are there's loads of issues there, I think, with that venue that I'd like to say, oh, let's hope they get fixed for next time. But they probably won't. But yeah, despite all that, you know. Pro put on a, a banger of a show and you know by the end of the night luckily that's what we were talking about rather than you know those venue issues that never seem to go away yeah it's a, it's a funny one with, well it's not that funny when you're there but it's a weird one with their bar isn't it because i remember the first one i i ever went to i think it was um yeah it must have been it was a uh, when okada made his like uk debut against uh joel redmond of all people and then uh, they had uh, osprey sidell in the main event and um and yeah, they, they wouldn't even let you to your seat with you drink on that first show. I remember there was a big kickoff about it. You had to drink because I think there'd been some <laughs> incident at a boxing. So you had to buy your drink and stand in that little area where the bar is. And I remember uh, poor old Lisa was stuck like under two tall guys who had not used any deodorant that day. So yeah, uh, <laughs> never, never was a good experience at the first uh, few wrestling shows for old my poor wife. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, and then because then, there have been such kickoff, I think Andy Q convinced them to let you take your drinks to your seats mm. and um yeah and it's either you're queuing for ages or they've lost everything and then sometimes i've been never walked straight to the bar so yeah it's a weird one but um yeah andy i mean obviously you know on, on graps and clacks you you do heavy reviews of sort of like bars that you've been to and things like that and uh, i'm assuming york the york hall one must be up there with the worst it's, it's always um shit plastic bottles of carly that, mm. that they have on uh, but I've always found with your call, it's more like tactical drinking. You've got to find your certain spot. <laughs> second, like in between the first and second match, just get yourself down there a minute before you think the bell will, uh, b- before the bell will ring. But there's a, there's enough like beer places outside now, uh, outside mm. your call, where you can get a, a, be- a much better drink than you can get in the actual venue. So. It's better to drink beforehand and then, you know, maybe have the odd one while you're in the venue. Just, yeah, you're wasting your time if you're thinking you're getting five or six in your call. Not happening. But (laughs) one of the first first couple of times I went there, they had, like, hot food on, like, curry and... Oh, yeah. ...and everything. And sometimes I've been since they've not had that on. Yeah, so it's always weird what they do and what they don't have, yeah, isn't it? But um, I suppose um, enough about the bar and stuff like that. Um, We'll get sort of like not much to write home about on sort of like the rest of the car, but like Benno noted there, they had two cracking, and I'd say it was a double main event for me because I think... um, you know, Aussie Open against Oko and Mills, uh, you know, was bringing people into the building just as much as um, as Osprey and Ricky Knight Jr. Um, Because, I mean... Aussie Open against Destination Everywhere, you know, there have been some really poor tag matches at York Hall, and then there have been some cracking ones, and this definitely fell into the latter. I mean, really hot for the whole match. Aussies always bring that sort of like those great double team moves that really get the crowd into it, don't they? But 
real shout out to Michael Oko in this one. It was fantastic as sort of like the baby facing peril and then firing up for the counters and the hot tag. You know, Mills isn't all there for me, but I think, uh, you know, you know, he held his own in this one. Match maybe a shade too long, but I thought this was really, really good. Not, you know, not really surprised to see Aussie Open get the win and, you know, the Red Pro tag belts to add to the collection, but a really, really enjoyable match, I thought, Andy. Yeah, uh, I would say, Martin, you took the words right out of my mouth there. <laughs> they, they, they were exactly my thoughts on the match. Michael Oka was the underdog babyface, was another level in this match. It, I think since the couple of times I've seen him, um, since like the uh, return, he's been he's been spot on. Uh, shame that he seems uh, very much um, London exclusive at the moment, and we don't get to see him um, up north as, as as much. But in this match, he was excellent. Uh, Connor Mills, um, similar thoughts. I thought held his own, but um, I, I give it four four and a quarter on grapple. This one, he maybe would have been a little bit higher. Um, it, it maybe needed about three, four minutes shaved off it mm. um, around near the end. But nah, excellent tag match. And you know the reports here of Destination Everywhere and Young Guns was a great match. Uh, and, and the matches the Aussies have had um, since they've come back to Red Pro have been like four star and above standard. And uh, it's sort of uh, them returning has elevated the other tag teams and it's actually made it no really good tag division it's just when you know if when Aussie Open do go it's like who's left this to carry on that mantle and you hope it's like your destination everywhere and uh, the young guns fingers crossed as uh, champions yeah for, for me it was kind of you know I'm glad to hear that that it, that it you know worked for, for you guys on VOD and worked for other people on VOD because it did feel live you know sometimes you don't know you're there live and you think you know we've had two mm. four star plus matches there and we're you know if we had the beer to spill on each other we'd be jumping up and down spilling <laughs> beer at some of the uh the near falls in, in this match sorry that's the last uh, reference I'll make to the bar um but you know it was that kind of match where we, we were all going crazy there live you think oh will this translate to tape but you know it's great to hear it did I mean I like I said I was there for the Young Guns, um, one of the Young Guns Destination Everywhere matches um, at the 229 was absolutely killer. And I was, you know, singing the praises of specifically Michael Oku there as a, I don't know, baby face. But I would say here, you know, in this one, Connor Mills looked great too, you know, as far as his execution goes and as far as, you know, his timing goes, he looked as sharp as, as I'd seen him. And them two have got a real good bit of, I think, chemistry there that, you know, with, if the storyline is leaning towards them splitting up, which feels like it might end up going based on, you know, some of the, the shows they did on Twitch, it'd almost be a shame because they, they have really put something together as a tag team. In fact, I, I kind of hope it doesn't happen now. But yeah, it was one of those matches where, you know, the, the Aussie Open, I think, is as good as anyone in the world at doing those, you know, Kurt Angle was famous for it in TNA, you know, his match would be 10 minutes of an actual structured match and then 15 minutes of kickouts. And the Aussies <laughs> do push it. You know, you mentioned there about the match going long, but they do push it, but, you know, they get to the point where it's like, okay, another kickout, okay, another kickout. But it's so creative the way they get to, to those kickouts and it kind of pushes through that barrier of being too much to circle and back around to being awesome again and certainly live you know the crowd got swept up in it and we're there for every you know near fall towards the end of the match and I do think you know Aussie Opener is good at, at that structure of match and doing that and kind of turning that pace up as as any team in the world and yeah well like Andy said we're 
lucky to have them right now and have them in the country. Obviously, there is the you know the New Japan story we can talk about, but you know, let's hope we uh, we get lots more of them uh, at least this year before they're they're meant for better things because they have, as you both said, been a, a huge boon to the uh, to the scene just in the short time they've been back. Yeah, because this is the first time in absolutely ages where I've watched, um, you know, sort of like a show like this and gone, oh, I wish I really wish I'd made the effort and gone down. And that says a lot, you know, considering where the scene is at now. And, I, you know, obviously I'm not fooling myself thinking that, you know, it's going back to the, you know, the good old days or, you know, the bad old days as it was. Um, but, yeah, I just really wish I'd gone down for this one because, yeah, was, the atmosphere looked really good. And, you know, it just was a, a really, really fantastic match. Yeah, I definitely recommend people go out and watch it but um that wasn't it i mean that was this was the uh you know semi-final to the main event that was uh will Ospreay against ricky knight jr and obviously red pro have been building this one for a while you know with uh, rkj having for all intents and purposes the interim red pro belt while you know osprey was either away or out with an injury you know like i noted there i'm assuming this and the aussies tag was one of the main reasons that people bought tickets for this show and this really didn't disappoint either. Two great chemistry together. Ricky Knight Jr. looked every bit Osprey's equal and is actually on top for most of the match. For Osprey, you know, made him look amazing. Knight Jr., you know, eventually got a bit too cocky for his own good and uh, hidden blade, you know, for the loss to Osprey. But, you know, another great match. And, you know, we've talked on the show before about Knight being the up-and-comer, but I really thought he belonged in the ring in the main event of one of sort of like Red Pro's biggest shows of the of the year, Andy. Yeah, he he didn't look out of place, did he? Hundred um, percent. It, it probably feels like the um, it did feel like the biggest match in uh, in British wrestling at this moment in time. Mm. I would say um, going it in, going into it, all I'd really seen uh, clips wise was that um, you know the Oz cutter off the guard rail. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> And I thought the angle what they showed on Twitter is like oh, well, that that seemed a bit bit contrived. But when I when I was watching it during the actual match on the um, Red Pros on demand, I thought I thought it, it, it covered up the spot really well um, from a production. No, I'm the I'm the same, Andy. Yeah, I thought exactly the same. So obviously everyone saw that clip, didn't they? And you know, because it went went viral and a lot of people rolling their eyes at it. But yeah, watching it on mm. the VOD. It, it looked, you know, it didn't look as bad as it did, you know, from the fan cam, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and I think as, as a match, what was it, about 20, 25, 30 minutes? Mm. It, just, it, flew, it flew by for me. Um, I, I, know, I know Osprey gets, you know, obvious shite on Twitter, but that's, that, that, that aside, you just can't deny he's like any match he's in, he's going to be you know, be top quality and he's always going to take his opponent to another level. But as well, Red Pro's got to be uh, commended on the job they've done with Ricky Knight Jr. You know, getting into that near top level where Osprey is. And you can easily see a rematch between the two, like Ricky Knight Jr. possibly thinking, well, I've got to learn from me mistake of being a mm. bit too cocksure of myself, thinking the, like the match were done and what have you? But no, I went. I think I went four and a half on this match. I, I, I rated just a bit higher than the uh, tag match because I thought it was the right, you know, length of match for what it needed to be. But now, thoroughly enjoyed it, folks. Yeah, it was kind of for me like the you know we as you mentioned there, Martin. We've 
we've been raving about Ricky Knight Jr. and the job Rev Pro have done with him, you know, over this pandemic period. And this felt like all of that work coming good. Uh, we've got to remember, you know, where was Ricky Knight Jr. on, on you know, a Rev Pro Your Call card, you know, before the pandemic and before things shut down. You know, he was messing around with Robbie X and, you know, the undercard. Mm. He wasn't he wasn't headlining shows and we probably wouldn't have considered him as, as somebody as a headline shows and excite the promotion, put the work in with him. And, you know, he's just getting better and better and, and paid off that work. And I think that's what this match was. It was without him winning the match, which I think maybe some people wanted. It was a crowning moment for him in the company, you know, as a, as a top guy. And, you know, as you say, Osprey gave him plenty, you know, despite losing, Ricky Knight Jr. looked, you know, he got visible pins at all kinds, you know, in this match, Osprey outright picking him up off the mat, you know, he was made to look as, as strong as absolute possible in loss. And to be honest, I can't really question that booking either because as much as I'll praise that Ricky Knight Jr. booking and as much as I'll praise him as a top guy, there is still the issue of strength and depth and okay, yeah, Ricky Knight Jr. is your, your undisputed champion now. There's another York Hall show coming up, Uzi Wrestle. You know, there's not an obvious pick right now. And, and I think, as you guys have said, the obvious pick is probably to do a rematch. You know, the obvious thing to do is keep while you've got him, Osprey, in that main event picture. And Ricky Knight Jr.'s time will come. Um, but no, this was another one like the, like the semi-main event where just glad that, you know, a translator from being there live because you both mentioned that that spot with the table. And I'll be honest, I was going crazy for that live. I thought that was really, yeah, you like a be, really cool you? spot. Um, and then I was gutted to see on Twitter everyone ripping it apart. But, you know, it, it's one of those things, isn't it? I think uh, wrestling, you know, you can pick it apart and, you know, you can always make the argument, you know, but it looked like they were cooperating and like Ricky Knight Jr. was jumping into Osprey, but maybe he was going for an offensive move. Then anyone think of that? Maybe that's what he was doing and not just cooperate <laughs> with Osprey, you know. It, it, it's easy to do that with a, you know, a few second gif and, and pick things apart, but I'm glad that, yeah, it, it did translate when the actual VOD came out and, yeah, it felt like every bit of your whole main event and, yeah, you give me a, a your whole card with matches like these two on it and you know it felt uh for those moments like it was you know a classic red pro card and you know that's about as much as you can ask at the, this point in 2021 yeah and um, we're obviously not the only one so i've just uh fired up the grapple app right here and uh yeah 62 ratings it's got a 4.44 which is like really really high sort of like grit rest these days isn't it so yeah great mm-hmm. you know great to see you know getting a lot of love from uh you know, um, a lot of people, and uh, but that wasn't the end because um, Osprey hit another hidden blade on uh, Ricky Knight Jr. and then Shota Rumino ran out to save him before the Young Guns came out to take down Shota, and then Aussie Open were back out and they came out and swerved Rumino and Osprey, uh, quickly ending their brief partnership Osprey had with the Young Guns, and then Aussie Open then donned United Empire T-shirts and now part of uh, Osprey's faction, Andy. Yeah, um, I think it's a good. I think it's a very good move. Um, I think you've seen like in the like a couple of weeks after that, where you know, like with Rev Pro shows where they've done um, singles matches with Aussie Open against both the Young Guns, and they're doing a six man tag this weekend. So it's it's definitely offering up um, main, like proper main events, you know, for these much smaller shows leading into your call. Um, it looks like it looks like it's uh, promising, you know. You know when Aussie Open and Osprey do go back to Japan, maybe later in the year. Um, it, they look a much better faction than say with what's he called, Jeff Cobbin, Great O'Kan, and the other. <laughs> look more threatening. 
Yeah, that yeah. certainly seems the way it's going, doesn't it, Benno? You know that um, you know Aussie Open are going to be added over to Japan with uh, with Osprey. Yeah, and about you know, as much as like I wanted to believe Osprey was really trying to recruit the young guns, you look back on it now and go, okay, the young guns probably weren't going to get to New Japan at this point in their career. Let's hope they mm. do at some point. But like, it was a well-told story to be honest. I saw some people like kind of concerned trolling it and saying, oh, they've made they've made the young guns look silly because they were Osprey's backup and then they got turned on it. I was like. Listen, the young guns, as much as we all love them, it's just great that they're on Red Pro cards. It's just great that they're in there working with Osprey and Aussie Open and they're that a feature act. Like they're gonna be absolutely fine. They really are. And like they're gonna, they're gonna, you know, the fact that as you mentioned there, we're, we're doing like these different singles matches. There's all the different types of six-man matches you can do going forward. Like those lads won't be complaining about their position on these cards. And yeah, you know, it, it kind of made sense now that I was a little bit like, oh, why they, why were they trying to be heels in Manchester? Surely they should be baby faces they did this mini story with osprey where to be honest they look really good as like a heel tag team too but you know the end result was that they're, they're baby faces and they'll be massive baby faces the next time they they come up north as well and it, it works out for everyone and they like say aussie open especially yeah like i i think you know unlike young guns where i didn't quite believe it you know they're wearing the t-shirt they're getting prominently featured on even on new japan world now they're going, you know, as soon as it becomes available, they're going. And how many how many years does it feel like we've been talking about? Mm. So, you know, New Japan's tag league could do with Aussie Open. And it looks like it's finally going to be happening. It, you know, it couldn't happen to a, a better, you know, tag team, really, uh, that we've had there in our country. Even if not, they're not our own. Uh, they've kind of been like they've been our own, haven't they? And it's been great to see and great to see that finally that's being rewarded with, a, with hopefully a proper New Japan run. And, you know, obviously hats off to what they've done here as well, because, you know, when they do go back to Japan, I'm assuming for, you know, a long, you know, a long period of time, you know, then they've sort of elevated guys like Ricky Knight Jr. and uh, the Young Guns and uh, Destination Everywhere who are going to be sort of like, you know, propping up these Red Pro shows uh, when they're back over in Japan. So sort of like job Mm. done there, I'd say. Um, But Benno, sort of like, you know, obviously we wax lyrical about, you know, those, you know, two cracking main event matches. Uh, was there anything much to shout about from uh, the rest of the card? Not really, no. The, mm. the first half was particularly weak. Um, it wasn't looking great. It felt like it was missing, like, a you know, a, good, a decent little first half main event. Um, we didn't really have it. We had Yota Suchi and Mark Haskins going every bit of 22 minutes, which is, uh, I, I can't remember the last time I've been in a live match that's dragged that badly. And I think I, I spent a lot of it, you know, around the bar with JP. It was just... Yeah, it wasn't a, it wasn't the match to, to end the first half with really, um, and it just didn't just didn't seem like it, it ever got going at, at any particular point. The three way with Oku Robbie X and Chris Ridgeway was, you know, a three way with Michael Oku Robbie X and Chris Ridgeway is kind of what you'd imagine it to be. You know, some inventive spots in there, but not particularly exciting. You know, three star odd match. Oku's best work came came later in the night. Um, Shotaruno and Dan Maloney kind of had a, a bit of a kind of you know big-ish lads uh, fight, which was all right. Um, and yeah, the match with Ethan Allen and, and Luke Jacobs against Mambo, Cooper, Sean Jackson, uh, Kenneth Armbert, uh, Halfpenny, and it was uh, Doug Williams and Brendan White. Um, was just a kind of a fun multi-person open. I would have maybe preferred, you know, uh, Allen and Jacobs in a, in a more prominent, proper tag team match on this show. I think that's, that's kind of what this first half needed. But yeah, it was all about that second half, those two big matches. And, you know, uh, Giselle Shore and, uh, and Haya had uh, a decent enough uh, two out of three falls uh, match in that in that second half um you know it was a, maybe a three star to you know, 3.25 star maybe 
match I'd say as a as a ceiling and uh, maybe again went uh, a little bit on the long side and I thought sure the two or three falls stipulation was was to their benefit but you know it was solid enough and you know we had a nice moment at the end as well which is also putting over you know high on a, a, a short-lived trip uh, over here because it was apparently a, her last show and she was a uh, heading home after it so we kind of got that nice moment there as well but yeah you know if you're watching this thing on VOD I can't really heartily say there's much in the first half to uh, to recommend I'll probably start from that until until period really and, uh, and go from there. I think Hayan's um, trip over here will be best remembered for uh, you know was that, was it you, Andy? You and Jeff coming up with the uh, "you are, you are, hi Ann, hi Ann." Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I sort of take credit for it, but it was my it was my mate you and who came up with it. But we, we sang it loud and proud. I thought it was Gravel <laughs> Gareth. I'm sure Gareth's taking credit for that. We'll have to uh, have a judge's adjudication here. <laughs> Chant was yeah, but um, <laughs> Red Pro, I've, I've got another big show coming up in uh, Southside's old stomping ground of uh, Stevenage. Um, the Brit J Cup uh, participants so far announced for that have been Mike Bailey, a uh, former winner of the Cup, Michael Oku, Callum Newman, Francesca Akira, and Robbie X. And outside of the tournament, other matches they've announced for that are uh, Osprey and Aussie Open against Ricky Knight Jr. and the Young Guns. And uh, fresh off his release from WWE, big demo against Yota Suji. Um, Really interesting show, and um, so really glad to see Bailey coming back over here to the UK. Uh, Andy, uh, Craig Gordon Theatre in Stevenage, you ever been there for a show on your many travels around the UK? I can't say I've gone to the uh, the uh, that, that theatre. The only time I've been to Stevenage, <laughs> the only time I've been to Stevenage was to see Rochdale beat Stevenage in the FA Cup two nil uh, one year, but yeah. I, I did look. I did look at like uh, trains down there from from like Manchester, and like last train back is uh, five to eight in the evening. I think uh, I'll only get to see about an hour of Red Pro before I had to get back home to Manchester. So, yeah, and I was and I was being generous there. Um, yeah, I went. I went. Well, obviously drove down uh, south side at a show. It was the Young Bucks against the Hunter Brothers, and uh, then the random match of Jugulak against Tatonka. Of, uh, <laughs> of all matches you're going to see, that's uh, that's South. That's that was the real Southside for you. <laughs> no, um, yeah, but it was a decent venue. Uh, Southside used to draw around 700 to 800 there. Uh, you know, obviously, shame it's in Stevenage. Sorry to anybody from Stevenage. And I remember the bar was always uh, sort of like a trestle table with a couple of cans shoved underneath it. Um, but as far as the show goes, I mean, um, Benno, great to see uh, Bailey coming back over here. I mean, we talked sort of like you know, with people coming over here for long spells of time you know due to covid restrictions and stuff like that um but bailey was definitely top of the list for me oh definitely yeah i mean he's someone i've again i expected these kind of tours to come later you know in the year or early next year you know we've just had you know gresham turn up for a for a one shot over here as well um it's, it's good news to be honest yes you know mike bailey is how good was he you know again right before the pandemic when he was over here and it felt like he was doing a lot of progress shows and a lot of just random shows over here and every every show that he was on it was pretty much he'd be you know near the near the match of the night or at least one of the most entertaining matches in in a, any given undercard so he adds a lot to that tournament uh, i think um francisco akira as well 
well, you know, as somebody that's a, an interesting pickup as far as somebody maybe a bit off the, the beaten track who's, you know, who, who gives you something, you know, a bit of an international pedigree, you know, someone with obviously the, the very current Japan experience as well um, that RevPro can, can offer us as someone a bit different as well. You know, I've considered it, you know, I think we're, we're biased in this podcast as three Northerners, you know, considering going to like going to, to Stevenage. I believe it is only like 20, 30 minutes outside of actual London. It's just, mm-hmm. you've got to get to London first and then get to, to Stevenage for mm-hmm. us lot. But I'm sure, you know, our Southern listeners will, will probably make the trip and yeah, to put them together, you know, a card there that's maybe not quite York Hall worthy, but you know, certainly worthy of central London and yeah, probably worth the, uh, the short trip if you, if you live around that area, I'd say. Yeah, just some thoughts, but now sort of like Red Pro have, you know, seemingly weathered through everything and put together sort of like a decent roster on the great main events uh, we've seen here. Do you think that'll sort of carry on, you know, out of this year into next year? It surprised me, to be honest, because I've, you know, Brit Res has not <laughs> been in a great place for a while and <laughs> you don't expect, you know, any company really to hit the ground run and and coming out we're seeing a lot of as andy i'm sure all testy a lot of samey looking cards uh, across different companies and you know rev pro have been able to kind of create a a, a roster that's maybe theirs um you know there's obviously people there that work elsewhere as well but it does feel like they've got like a, a roster that's got a, a clear main event scene if maybe you could do with a couple of names a clear upper card a clear mid card and a clear lower card and they've tried to put together you know a, a decentish uh, women's version obviously with outside influences being a problem as well but no it has surprised me and you know i say that your call show was you know those two matches were as good as i think you could possibly put on it felt like it was only a couple of interested imports away from feeling like a proper rev pro show you know if you could get that that new japan pipeline properly back working again you know with some you know, some stars from new japan or big for me you know an aw relationship you know of some kind um working you know couldn't help but notice that uh that anthony agogo was there live at the show um you know sat up at the at the top with the uh, with the knight family love to see him involved love to see really anyone from that aw roster all the people you know knocking around on dark and dark elevation that could uh, do something interesting if they come over here and tour so it does feel a little bit like yeah red pro are, are one of those relationships starting to to bear fruit again away from being at least something equivalent to what they were before and i think that says something really about how yeah they they are a promotion that have managed to whether you know all of the storms we've had over you know this this last year or so they've always just been a it's a boots and trunks wrestling promotion at the end of the day there aren't after parties and lots of you know fan culture etc and that's been their negative in the past as far as branding goes and maybe them not always being the, the coolest promotion in the world but as far as promotion it just puts good wrestling cards on and does the fundamentals well i think it's turned out that they've they've weathered the last uh, while better than than anyone really has really and yeah i'm actually surprised myself at my my own interest in in what that what they've been doing mm. so yeah i can't give them a higher praise than that from a, from a personal point of view what about you, Andy? Because obviously, you know, you try and make it to wrestling most weekends and stuff. It's, it's sort of like, you know, is what Red Pro are providing at the minute, you know, things that you and Jeff are, you know, dying to get tickets to and stuff? Yeah. Um, no, from from what I see on the outside, it's like, huh, some of this, they, see, they do seem to be putting on good wrestling cards. And when you do look at, like, the graphics of who's on, it's just like, Oh, there's there's something different here. Um, I know me and Jeff are go- actually going down for the uh, November York Hall show because um, we're down da- we're down there for a, a gig the night before, so we'll fit in the um, Repro um, show at York Hall, which no, I'm I'm actually looking forward to, and I think I've I think I've said before there's 
there's not much that'll get me traveling down to uh, London for wrestling <laughs> nowadays. <laughs> I think Rev, Rev Pro, uh, for the cards they have been putting on, um, are certainly um, a promotion. You know, I will go and see at York Hall a couple of times, more than I would see, say, Progress if they turned up in Peckham or Camden again. <laughs> So um, earlier tonight, uh, we had friend of the show and regular post-wrestling contributor Mark Buckledy on to chat how uh, Zack Sabre Jr. has been faring in this year's G1. And joining us on the show now, you'll know him from his reviews on the main post site, it's Mark Buckledy. Mark, thanks for joining us this week. Thanks, Martin. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. So it's uh, it's sort of safe to say, you know, the G1 and, sort of, and New Japan as a whole hasn't really been the hottest product recently has it you know but there has been some sort of like you know faint sparks there with some decent stuff from Zack Sabre Jr. in this tournament he's been so having some decent matches and you know um, would, would it be fair to say you know they've been the highlights of the not a very inspiring G1 this year Mark? Yeah I, it's the Zack and Shingo show basically in my eyes um, I was just having a quick look at um all the reports I've done and how many recommended matches uh, I gave Zach, and I think I've recommended everything except his Ujo match this year in this G1. Well, so what have been some of sort of like his best matches this year then from the G1? Best one by far, by far, has to be the the Shingo match for me, and that's uh, a perfect storm of Shingo just really knew how to work into Zach's style. Uh, Shingo is just one of the best sellers. He's a great detail man. If you look at him uh, getting in position, he just knows how to get in position for moves, know how to set it up. It was just a great story. And then you had that lovely touch at the end with the finish where it was just that very different finish where it's Zach shifting his body just enough, straightening the arm, and Shingo immediately taps. What about you, Benno? Have you had, uh, no, obviously, you know, the G1 was always big on your calendar. Have you had a chance to check much out of it this year, you know, specifically sort of the light of the Zack Sabre Jr. matches? No, I mean, I mean, definitely Zack Sabre, but like the G1 as a whole, it's, it's been, it's been very tough. Like, uh, for me, like this time, you know, last year when we had the G1 and it was, you know, in the middle of, quasi lockdown and it was kind of like it was something to do more than anything so I think I willed myself into maybe enjoying it more than what was what was really happening in front of me this year I can't even pretend really like uh, over on Grapple we usually do like a either do a dedicated G1 podcast or dedicate half the show to G1 every week and we just haven't done it this year because there's just I don't know just don't feel the, the inspiration to do it really you know combination of the booking the atmosphere of the shows the the dryness of the lineups the you know the lack of invention. You know anyone who saw my uh, quick preview I did with uh, with Alan Farrell and, uh, and Rich Craich on uh, on post would have uh, seen my pithiness come into this tournament. And <laughs> yeah, you know there were a lot of people raving about the first couple of days, and I kind of felt like, oh, you know, maybe I've been a bit too sour on this. But then past that, it has kind of settled into to what you'd expect. Um, you know, a lot of forgettable three star odd matches, matches that just personally don't interest me one bit. Lots of lots of skippable matches and. Yeah, Zack Sabre Jr. has kind of been the, for me, really, the the lone highlight. Um, like Mark said there, you know, is he opened up well with uh, with with Naito. But yeah, as Mark says, you know, the, the Shingo match was was very good. The Kota Ibushi match was very good. They had 
a very different match with with Great Okan um, early on that kind of showed the different side of of Great Okan that maybe we've uh, we've not seen so much of. The Ishii match w- was great as well, and to boot, it's it's the promos he's been doing too. You know, cutting promos on the American Dragon or talking about you know being Zaki Big Techers and coming up with different names for the finishes like the, the Tesco <laughs> meal deal and just being a riot really. And, you know, those first couple of shows he was main eventing. So he was closing with the, the show closing promos and it was, it was some of his best work. He, he does seem motivated in this thing. And yeah, he's kind of the person I've been parachuting in and uh, watching, you know, most of his stuff. What about you, Andy? As um, sort of like, um, you know, reading about Zach showings and that inspired you to uh, go and check any of it out this year. Um, he's not made me want to go and reach for me nine pound a month. Definitely. <laughs> um, I'm a notorious tight ass. So, uh, no, I think I, I stopped subscribing to new Japan world, maybe two months after wrestle kingdom. And I just felt, Oh God, this is just, you know, same old people, same old positions. Yeah. Bland, bland for me. But it's funnily enough when I got when I go back to like Wrestle Kingdom and look at my grapple rating, I've got like four and a half star and five match five star matches on there. I'm just thinking, were they really like five star matches? You know, going off my opinion in New Japan now, it's it's just something I'm, I don't think I'm going to go and go back and watch um, in the next couple of months. Might dip in for Wrestle Kingdom, but. That might be value, um, Billy. Billy, who knows? Save you nine pound for a couple of bad uh, pints of Corona, mate. That's uh, oh. probably the best shot. Oh, it is. <laughs> are, you, are you feeling the same way, Mark? Obviously, you know you've been reviewing these shows on post and, and stuff like that. But have you have you been having a lot of fatigue with New Japan then? I'll be honest. I've actually stopped watching the B Block shows, and it's been a long time since I actually. Wow. Uh, stopped watching um, certain shows from the G1. I, I mean, for me, I think I've been watching these going back since they were actually regularly available, going back to, what, 2014? Because 2013 mm. was a Ustream one. So this is probably the lowest I've been on a G1. Very, very quickly, I actually had a, a quick butchers on cage match, and I know some questions about the validity of cage match ratings but um <laughs> but if you look at the top eight highest rated g1 matches this year five of the top eight have zach in them mm-hmm. and i think that really sums up the only ones that don't have zach in them were shingo ishii tanahashi okada and ibushi shingo and i think a good chunk of that is just people you know really good matches but people wanting them to be good as well. Mm. Yeah, it's a similar um, story over on Grapple as well, like looking at like, you know, averages of ratings and Zach is, you know, if he's not, you know, I think Shingo's still uh, still leading the way, but he's he's right there in the mix as well. And then there's a steep drop off after that. Like that kind of like tells the story across both, I think. Yeah. No, no my, my interest is definitely flagging, definitely flagging. Um, I hope, I really hope that um, Zach gets the a match against Shingo at a power struggle because mm. otherwise power struggle is just going to describe me trying to get through the rest of the year with New Japan. <laughs> as far oh, as sort of like the rest of 
Zach's career um, in New Japan, and obviously he's had this great show in him, and he's had good showings in, you know, obviously the New Japan Cup and things like that before. Do you think um, this will see him sort of like um, maybe get elevated up up the card, or it, or he'll just go back to um, you know the the tag team that he has? It, it's it's fun because if you think about 2017, Zach came in like straight out the gate with that New Japan Cup run. He had a very strong G, um, G1 run in his first year. He had 12 points that year, I think. So mm. the lowest he's ever got is uh, eight points. So he's always booked quite well. But he, you know, he had a strong 2017. He had a good 2018. Then slowly fell down the card. You can maybe say he's part of that because of the rise of Osprey as the hot new British thing. Uh, sorry, wording there, uh, it's not great, in terms of New Japan. And uh, it just feels like, I think part of it this year is the Naito thing threw everyone for a loop because I had it nailed on that Naito was winning this block and mm. facing Okada in the final. And Spoiled a lot of pick and ballots. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it just feels like, it feels like as it's gone into it, they've realised, well, Let's just keep Zach doing his thing. They gave him that win over Shingo. And that's, as I say, that's got to be building up to a power struggle match. I'd love to see him reach the, fin uh, reach the final because for me, it's either him, Kenta or Ibushi. Ibushi is not what he was for health reasons. And he's been in the final the last three years. Uh, Please, God, no, not a, a Kenta final, because I've had way too much Kenta matches. <laughs> um, Kenta should not be going nearly 20 minutes every single match. And, yeah, so I would love to see Zach in the final, um, but I'm not the most confident. I mean, we'll find out on Monday. Well, even if he doesn't sort of like make the final, do you think he's sort of like found his place now in New Japan, sort of like as, as a mid-carder? Can you see him sort of like going any higher than that? I, in the short term, I could definitely see him sort of around a main eventy spot simply because he feels a bit fresher than the other mm. guys they've got. They've given him this big win over Shingo. I can see him main eventing a number two show number two big show that they're running when they're running double shots um i can't see it lasting when things get back to normal if you know what i mean i can't yeah. i can see them saying well we've got osprey back we've got jay white back we've got this person we might be bringing in just to try and perk up the business it's kind it feels a little bit placeholdery i mean i could be wrong i'd love mm. to be wrong but i don't hold hope for zach ever being an iwgp heavyweight champion um i just don't yeah because he's sort of like seems settled now in japan doesn't he benno you know i can't really see him coming you know doing an osprey and sort of like coming back to the uk all the time no i mean he's he's pretty much stayed there you know right through the pandemic hasn't he um you know and seems like that's his that's his home now and where, where he's uh where he's comfortable but yeah i think with him i i, I don't know what mark said i think he's always going to be that guy who's going to be like you know secondary show like like a power maybe a power struggle or you know sometimes you know higher spots than that but 
he's always going to be that guy who can be like a, a solid, you know, title match, or he can be, you know, in the mix for, for lower level belts, but you know, they can heat them up when they want. And this G1, it does feel like, you know, they've heated them up a little bit. I don't, like Mark said, I don't think he's going to win the thing. I think it's going to be between Kenta and, and Kota Ibushi in, in that block. Although the fact that he's, you know, still mathematically, you know, somewhere in the mix, I think that says something about how they see him. But yeah, I think, you know, what's going to happen, you know, hopefully soon for New Japan and, you know, to help with this malaise is, you know, we've got the, the Jay Whites and the Ospreys of the world that can come back. There's a whole load of fresher looking talent for me and the you know the new japan strong side of things and in mm. the us um you could definitely you know offer a, a boost to new japan and plus there's the the question of the aw relationship as well so i think with zach yeah he's gonna continue to be in the mix but i think once those things are start happening again and new japan can you know one day get back to, to proper crowds who can clap and cheer and you know maybe have something resembling uh, the great new japan we had a couple of years ago um you know if, if those things can happen and fall together i think there is that danger of maybe you know yeah slipping back to you know that familiar role and maybe never quite being that guy and just before we let you go mark um i think you were telling me um the other week as well, and he's someone who doesn't get any play on this show at all, but obviously Chris Brooks, you know, has been based out in Japan for a, for a long while now, hasn't he? You know, how's he been faring over there? I mean, Chris Brooks has settled so well. I mean, not to the extent of Drew Parker in terms of language, but Brooks can do uh, some like work in Japanese. But the thing is, it's he's really... He just seems incredibly settled. He's got both the the DDT uh, roster and he actually did a um, almost like a chat show with um, the with the DDT KOD Openweight Champion uh, Konosuke Takeshita, literally just talking about their friendship and that kind of thing. So he's very settled personally. It, at least it, that's how it seems. He's got that. He's got the um, the, the Choco Pro, the Gatto Move uh, stuff as well. So he does shows for essentially two different promotions. And he even did English commentary for the big uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro show, uh, Wrestle Princess 2, which I know Ben, I won't touch with an absolute barge pole, but there was, <laughs> but there was some good stuff there. And having Brooks on English commentary is the kind of thing that... Um, DDT and Tokyo Joshi Pro need at the moment because they are doing a big push for the English market with their relaunch of Wrestle Universe, with the uh, essentially four months for 900 yen deal that they're doing. So he suits their plans uh, and they suit him. And I don't think Chris Brooks is ever going to be a guy that we're going to have on the the Osprey scale on the Zack Sabre Jr. scale I don't think he'll get there but he's definitely grown a lot in ring yeah I don't see him ever coming home either I see him like no. a Zack Sabre now and he's just gonna <laughs> yeah, no. you know after this last year or so especially like I think he's just going to stay out there. And to be fair, as you know, his profile's grown because of it. You know, you see like a Kenny Omega put him over. I think Alex Shelley this week said uh, Chris Brooks was his favorite current wrestler. I mean, that's wow, that's a big endorsement <laughs> if uh, if there ever was one. You know, so you know, clearly he's uh, he's turning some more heads than he than he was uh, when he was uh, stuck over it. I wouldn't be surprised if um, if Brooks actually gets a proper stable in DDT because they've done a little bit of shaking up with some of the stables. There's some free agents, some big name guys as free agents. And I 
honestly would not be surprised if uh, Brooks gets another big opportunity because he's got the um, the DDT's version of the G1, which is much fewer wrestlers, so much fresher. And he's in the third time in that tournament. And again, that would be good just to see him get some good matches in. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, Mark, thank you so much for uh, for joining us this month. And um, sort of like, um, what other stuff have you got going on? Um, obviously, you've got your G1 reviews on the post site, haven't you? Yeah, I've got the, the G1 reviews on the post site. Uh, most of my writing will be uh, seen on post, but um, I... Oh, I might as well commit. I will be doing, not for post, uh, unless you want me to, I'll be committing to doing a review for all of DDT's uh, DO Grand Prix 2021 2 wow. tournament. And that's two <laughs> because the DO Grand Prix 2021 was last year uh, in 2020. Uh, good old DDT. So you'll find that on my blog, which is sci fi flow.wordpress.com. Uh, and other than that, I'm just talking rubbish on Twitter at <laughs> at monkey underscore buckles. Yeah, aren't we all? No, I think uh, I was going to say, like, I, honestly, like the work you've been doing, Mark, like the, the, the likes of uh, yourself, Bruce Lord, even you know Ian Hamilton, offsite. You lads have been the canary in the coal mine for this tournament, so <laughs> it's it's much appreciated that it's definitely uh, helped the rest of us uh, decide what we uh, what we should watch and what we should skip uh, this year. Which has been a lot, but still, it's been helpful. <laughs> oh, yeah, Bruce, Bruce deserves a lot of credit, Ian. I mean, Ian's been doing essentially two people's worth. Uh, mm. So a lot of credit. And Sounds like John, Yeah. And John and Way's podcast as well. They've been doing uh, the Lord's work because they've been watching a lot more of this G1 than I have. So, <laughs> yeah, just to reiterate what Benio says, fantastic uh, job, Mark. And yeah, thanks for coming on again. Thanks for the compliments and thanks for having me, guys. Thanks to Mark for coming on there. Yeah, definitely, like we noted at the end, you know, definitely uh, go out and check out his reviews on the main post-wrestling site. And uh, speaking of cold promotions, uh, Progress is still churning out shows uh, for the WWE Network, and we're on to Chapter 123, can you believe it? And uh, obviously, we've noted a million times on the show, still difficult to watch because of the no fans taped in the theatre in Peckham and, you know, in a really uninspiring sort of set of matches. However, you know, I felt it'd be remiss of us uh, this month not to talk the recent uh, number one contenders match between Luke Jacobs and Ethan Allen from the Chapter 122 show entitled Salsa Shark. And, you know, for me personally, despite the surroundings and lack of atmosphere, the two put together a, a pretty good match. You know, they faced off loads at this point, but, you know, it's always great to see these two in ring. Um, obviously, we've noted that they are two of the hottest prospects in in Brit rests and you know they never fail to deliver going one-on-one -on -one, you know hard hitting as ever and you know I know Luke Jacobs gets a lot of the praise uh you know from from this team but I thought Ethan had some great fire like we were talking about Michael Oakle earlier when he you know when he was going on the offense some great sequences like hitting a butterfly suplex into the corner followed by you know a great looking hesitation drop kick and you know Jacobs won with, you know, um, a, la a huge lariat off the off the ropes and, you know, went on to face Coronel for the Progress title. But um, I think, you know, despite the surroundings, you know, and then the coldness of, of these shows, always fun to see these two uh, wrestle Andy. 
Yes, uh, certainly. So there, were, there was actually a promo before this match uh, with Ethan and Luke in the back and uh, Luke were winding uh, Ethan up saying, we've had six matches and you've only won one, mate. Good luck tonight. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, just to give a bit of needle to the match. But, um, nah, not another, you know, stellar addition to their uh, match collection. I, I went four stars on it. Um, and uh, like you said, I know Luke does get a lot of the praise, but I think more and more when I see like Ethan Allen live, he's just yeah, blowing, blowing me away with him. You know, more like the um underdog baby face, um, fire and everything. I did see him in a match, um, this, this past week against uh Chris Ridgeway live for uh Catch Pro Wrestling, which is on which is on YouTube. And that, that was a very similar thing. He was getting beat down and beat down, but he just kept fighting back. And yeah, it's, it's just a, a, you know, a great thing, a great thing to see. Um, de- de- definitely. With, with myself, I used to watch like progress, these chapters every week on the network, but even I've started picking and choosing. And it's mainly just for like Ethan and Luke's matches and may, maybe like Alexis Falcon and that. But no, this, this match was... Uh, Spot on, spot on, Martin. What about you, Benno? I know you were rolling your eyes when um, I sent the, you know, the uh, <laughs> match listing down to you. Uh, was this, was this, you know, despite the, uh, you know, it being progress and, and what have you? Did you get any enjoyment out of this match? Oh, I mean, I'll always, I'll never roll my eyes at Ethan Allen and Luke Jacobs match. I'll roll my eyes at the rest of what progress are doing. Um, but you know, getting to see those two lads is always a treat. Um, like I. Watched this today, and I was saying to, to you, Matt, the only the only negative was I've just watched four hours worth of, of Brian Danielson in Peak Ring of Honor. So, you know, <laughs> I felt like tuning into these two poor lads who I absolutely love having to go out there in front of an empty arena and produce some magic was uh, maybe a bit of a handicap against them, just from my personal uh, eyes. But I still really enjoyed it. Like, I, I think that if there's a style of match that's going to work in a in a dead empty arena with you know. Roy Johnson being wheeled out there to, to budget Jim Smallman and all of the other problems that are that, that, that surround these shows. It's these two lads. Um, and yeah, they can go, you know, similar to you know what we said about Walter and, and Ilya, you know, that well that worked in an empty arena setting because you know it's a hard hit match where you kind of almost want to hear the strikes more, don't you? And you want to hear, you know, those shots hit a bit more and you kind of don't want, you know, uh, too much to get in the way. And even the commentary, what for, for by progress standards has definitely improved and it wasn't, wasn't too overbearing here, but, you know, close your eyes, imagine Luke Jacobs versus Ethan Allen and that's the match you got hard hitting, you know, lots of great, you mentioned there, you know, Ethan Allen, he's a ginger just like me and we've definitely all got our fiery side and he's, uh, he's definitely <laughs> got that. Like I watched uh, the match Andy just mentioned there, you know, Ethan Allen and Chris Ridgeway from Catch as well, which, you know, had a couple more people in it in front of it. Not that many, but a few, as Andy will, will talk about. And having those those few more people did help, you know, maybe elevate it a little bit to just have a, maybe a big reaction to, to you know, to maybe the closing stretches of the match and the quote-unquote near falls. But I think this match still worked despite not having that. I'd probably go a bit lower, the three and a half to maybe three and three quarter range. But it's always a treat um, to see Luke Jacobs and, and Ethan Allen in there together. So, yeah, I think uh, it, it's a match I'll, I'll watch as proven by this in uh, in any environment. And, yeah, I think the uh, I don't think the future for these two lads is probably within progress and within the progress adjacent system, or at least I hope not. But, you know, while uh, they're doing matches like this, I'll, uh, I'll still watch them. 
Yeah, because obviously, you know, these shows keep appearing on the network and stuff. And, you know, ICW, as far as WWE, sort of like friendly promotions, they're back running with fans. WXW were back running with fans. NXT UK recently run shows with fans, uh, invite only, you know. But, I mean, Benno, you're the man who gets all the scoops. So, like, have you heard <laughs> anything about what's the deal here? Are Progress going to try running shows with fans again? Or is this it for now, you know, with these cold shows for the WWE Network? I haven't heard anything about whether it's coming or not, but I suspect it's got to at some point. But, I mean, the thing I've heard from people who work the shows is that, really, it's just a case of, as we would all suspect, um, WWE are paying enough for the content that they've got that they don't need to sell tickets to take the risk to, to run arenas. Now, how you want to take that, you know, I saw, you know, Will did, a, did an article about progress ratings on the Grapple app, and it, it made for some uh, some very, very moody reading um, as far as what the averages were and really what the, the totals are. Like, I think RevPro is blowing away progress right now. Even NXT UK is doing better than, than progress on the app, and progress used to get a, a lot of votes um, on the app in the, in the peak years. But one thing Will kind of said in that article but was that, that, yeah, that, you know, things are, you know, why aren't they um, running in front of live fans? And he kind of supposed maybe it was a being afraid of what would come you know it, mm. it probably wouldn't be a packed ritz or a packed ballroom it probably wouldn't be a progress of the past and it would probably you know put into the cold light today the fact that you know progress in a lot of people's eyes has fallen from being like the, the number one promotion in brit res uh, i'm not sure 100 percent subscribe to that i think you know based on the things i've heard i do believe genuinely that they just don't want to take the you know the covid risk uh, if they don't have to um, but you know, there's got to a whole point where you know they're going to be the, the only promotion in the world running empty arena shows, and even if that money is you know guaranteed for a time on the network, I'm sure it's not guaranteed forever if the shows continue to be as cold as they are. So you'd imagine it change at some point, but that's kind of yeah. Well, what I've heard about it is kind of the logical reason because yeah, everyone else is uh, back taping in front of crowds, even if it is you know limited crowds or even in the case of NXT UK invite only crowds. So yeah, they do stand out a bit. What about you, Andy? Could you see him sort of like um, continuing this and sort of like maybe when WWE pull the plug progress call it a day? Well, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I see, well, it said ICW return, but no, I think if anything, they won't run the electric ballroom. They run somewhere like where they are at the moment, the Peckham mm. Theatre, mm. about two, three hundred people. I think, I think expectations in Brit rest at the moment is in terms of crowds the top top level you're going to get is your 500 600 for like a, a red pro show i think promotions at the moment are happy if they, if the promotion got 200 300 they're like a pig in shit yeah. <laughs> to, to be to be honest martin and i can see, i can just see progress running there the Peckham Theatre in front of 200, 300 people. Yeah, there'll, there'll be some happy punters, maybe some not so happy punters with uh, the current product uh, they're producing. But yeah, just just have to wait and see. But I can't, I can see it in the next maybe two, three months, maybe January. Yeah, January seems like uh, maybe a good a good starting off point. But um, I mean. Can you believe, though, it has been three years since that big Wembley show and then five years since they ran Brixton Academy? I mean, how the mighty have fallen. I mean, uh, were you at those two shows, Benno, the Wembley one and the Brixton Academy show? It just feels like, you know, even longer than sort of like three and five years ago. Yeah, I was at both. Uh, you know, the Wembley show, well, I was at 
the majority of it until I had to speaking of uh, late running shows, I had to scoot off to oh, the yeah. last train home, Mr. Miss Walter and uh, Tyler Bate with a lot of other northerners. Um, but yeah, I was at both. Um, remember, um, one of the progress owners doing a tweet about Brit Res dead, is he? Um, after that, went the account, felt <laughs> very attacked, although maybe may have been uh, proven right over time. Um, but yeah, it's crazy that, I mean, to be honest, on the, on the one hand, it feels like that's a long time ago and on the other hand it's not that long ago and look mm-hmm. at like you say how the multi have fallen um you know the brixton show felt like you know a big uh big point in in progress's kind of lifespan where it was like okay we're too big too big for camden now but then they ran a pretty you know cr- crap for wrestling venue in brixton and you know the show was kind of mainly famous for you know the the likes of uh it was tommy and uh, jack gallagher and uh tomasa champa wasn't it we're all off to, to wwa at that point with the yeah. uh, mixed fates and you know things were, were clearly starting to uh, to change even even at that point but yeah i think you know i think that the peak of brit res was probably around that point i think it definitely you know starts to cool off you know by the time wembley happened wembley almost felt like you know it was like a the last big show that we were going to have you know the last chance of somebody doing a Wembley show like that based on really previous goodwill rather than what they were currently offering as a as a product and yeah I can't say it's been uh, anything other than uh, than downhill since that point uh, three years ago we were at those two shows as well Andy yeah no I, I had a cracking view at Brixton I was in the upper tier unlike uh, uh, wise man <laughs> wise, wise man had uh, uh, Chris Brooker in the uh in the in the row in front of us. Happy yeah, day. Not so much the wise man, but carry on. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but now I was at uh, Brixton. I was at uh, Wembley as well. Um, I, I was like the back row at Wembley Arena, packing view for that, and also uh, an actual match that Joel Lemon White from Progress. <laughs> oh yeah, Walter and Tyler. Walter and Tyler, yeah. So uh, no, I, I I enjoyed both shows for what they were, but I remember a couple of weeks ago, like finding out from someone about that five years in Brixton. And you just think to yourself, bloody hell, how the mighty have fallen. And when you look at the card, I think the problematics outweigh the actual non-problematics, don't they, on that, on mm. that show? Yeah. <laughs> from, that's yeah, definitely. Show, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you can... I know many people try and work out where did, you know, progress like jump the, jump the shark and... I always thought it was like initially the Alexandra Palace one, you know, where Travis Banks won the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, but looking back on that Brixton show, it, yeah, there was the rot was about to set it, about to set in then, uh, and then then again, you look at Wembley, it's like a, a bit like a, a a leaving do, weren't it? Yeah. <laughs> For the for the ones who were already with like NHC UK and going elsewhere, uh, yeah, re- really, really sad times when you look look back on it. Look back on it, yeah. Yeah, that Brixton show definitely, you know, despite you know all the problematic people on it, is not one that you look back and go, oh, yeah, I'll uh, watch that and review it in a retro review or something like that. Is it? It's not a one you really want to go back and watch again, is it? But. Um, I suppose in, in other news, sort of like to tie in sort of like, you know, with WWE, you know, it'll have been 30 years since SummerSlam 92 next year. And, you know, Drew McIntyre has been everywhere saying he wants to pay with you over here next year. And, you know, there's been, you know, little, you know, trinkets of news saying that, you know, maybe they'll run, you know, the stadium in Cardiff. Sorry. Yeah, the stadium in Cardiff. Um, I mean, 
SummerSlam 2022, would that uh, would that have you uh, going to it, Benno? Maybe as a freebie? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I cared. Uh, when I said earlier, I've not been anywhere and not done anything. I did go to a WWE house show this month. Oh, yeah. Uh, that counts, doesn't it? Um, and yeah. Heard Drew, <laughs> heard Drew uh, make those comments about, uh, you know, not, nothing to do with the fact that AW were talking about doing a pay per view over here next year. Complete coincidence. No. <laughs> talking about uh, coming back for the 30 year anniversary and, yeah, saw it with my own eyes. And, yeah, you're right. I did. Uh, I had a, a kind of a guest list plus one there. Got lots of free beer on the uh, on, on the Vince McMahon. Um, Vincent Man tab, so I'll take that. Um, a nice little goodie bag as well that I lost on the train on the way home. But from what I remember from drinking lots of that free beer, uh, I think you, you cut that promo. Um, but yeah, it got a good response uh, live there. And actually, I'll tell you, it was very, very busy there at the uh, at the uh, the Millennium Dome. Uh, the, not the Millennium Dome, what is it? The uh, the O2 in London. Um, oh, what's the, what's the venue called? The big one? O2 Arena. Oh, yeah, Arena, Arena, yeah, you got it right. Yeah, yeah, that's where it was. Yeah, um, you know that got I mean, it was packed. Tell you what, it was absolutely packed, and it did did make me think. Oh yeah, despite my own, you know, transgress my own kind of not being a fan of uh, the WWE product and thinking it's cool as any as anything, it's still hot to some people. You know, the uh, the family type crowds and the people who are just died in the world WWE fans, and when uh, when that was taunted there and when it's been announced here okay yeah you know Cardiff's going to be a, a big old place to fill but there's a lot of WWE fans still in this country who I think would travel out for it. and I think there's you know people across Europe who probably travel out for it as well and I think I'd consider it for the for the day out really if there were other you know like we see in in America little shows booked around it I think that would be a, a smart idea for some local promote promotions I'm sure people have already um, put things in motion um yeah I think I'd go for the just for the spectacle of it really and to to see what it what it was like um although again I'm still more more hopeful of a an AW super show there in this country next year than than Oh yeah, I think we all are. But yeah, that um that stadium in Cardiff's absolutely cracking. I went to see uh Calzaghi against Kessler there and it's like banging the city centre. So, you know, coming out of that mat coming out of that fight rather, and you know, Cardiff Town Centre's booming and yeah, and it was absolutely fantastic night out. So yeah, I think um I'd definitely be in your camp, Benno, going down to sort of like more of a night out rather than to, to the show. I'm assuming sort of like it'd be something that you'd be interested in, Andy. Yeah, no, I, I'd definitely go down because it, it'd be like a moment in time. It's like, oh, will, will we, will we, will we ever see this again? Like a big WWE pay per view, and you know, like a SummerSlam. So, no, I'd definitely go down. But I've only been down to uh, Cardiff once for Attack Pro Wrestling. It was like three and three quarter hours on the train from Manchester. But it's it's nice for hotels and what have you. Don't go to the Weatherspoons near the station. But there's a nice tiny. <laughs> Tiny Rebel Pub near the uh, Millennium Stadium, which, Ooh, which you'd uh, should go in. But I did see other reports, like maybe the you know, like the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, as a, as an option. Even up Old Old Trafford um, in, in Manchester for uh, for SummerSlam, which you know I, I'd be all for that. But I couldn't imagine like five or six hours in the seats at Old Trafford, especially if you are like me, six foot five, and not. <laughs> No, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I can't imagine the seats are that comfy at Old Trafford, you know, quite old stadium now, isn't it? Yeah. But um, I suppose just uh, before we move on, what could you see? Obviously, Drew would have to headline this thing, Benno. Would it be sort of like a Drew-Roma match to try and pull on a huge crowd? Yeah, it seems like the only real thing, doesn't it, that you could do? I mean, I know, you know, I'm not going to anger the Irish and say he's English, but, you know, a Finn Balor being of our region, you'd imagine, would be in a 
in a prominent position as well. Um, but yeah, I think Drew being like the the public face of all this kind of shows you what he wants. Um, and I think they it's the WWE though, isn't it? That would make logical sense. So watch it just be something random like Roman versus like Goldberg or something. Um, and they won't <laughs> do any of that <laughs> like that at all. Uh, but it seems like the logical pick, doesn't it, to do to do something like that. I'd be well up for Roman V Goldberg, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> you know what? That sounds better, actually. What am I yeah. about? <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, moving on from that, and um, obviously it's just been just over a year since you know we were all appalled by the accounts of abuse in British wrestling, you know, and um, it seemingly a lot of the wrestlers' names seemingly went away, but um, you know, uh, some are seeming to starting to resurface and creep back in there because uh, we saw the news that Traffic Banks um, appeared on a, a lucha show ran by Bandido in Mexico and also on top of that apparently working as a trainer over there and and Marty Skrill has resurfaced and he will be appearing for the promotion CWA in Puerto Rico and the promotion even released a statement saying they're fully aware of the allegations against him saying that they had a prior agreement with skill from 2018 and wanted to honor it. And then even sort of like disgustingly said that, you know, while they didn't condone his behavior, the age of consent is 16 in the UK and he hadn't done anything illegal, which, you know, is just awful. But, um, I mean, Benno, I think it was inevitable that, you know, we were going to see sort of like people like this sort of like creep back in, into the scene, you know, maybe not in the UK, but it seems all the way in Mexico and Puerto Rico. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, this is, I think, the issue with wrestling being such a wild west that, you know, Travis Banks can find a, a back door way back into wrestling. You know, if you, even if he's got to travel, you know, halfway across the world. And obviously, as we mentioned there, same has happened with Marty. But I think that there's also a... There's definitely a grown-up conversation to be had, I think, about, you know, the fact that it is such an unregulated industry that there isn't you know what is the appropriate punishment is it should every case be the same should every wrestler not be allowed to wrestle ever again you know is this a case where if this happened in five years would we would we feel the same we just we don't have those kind of you know things in place for you know reasonable judgment to be made and that's that's when you you have gaps like this um you know marty scale you know what he did was abhorrent. Um, you know, the stories of the of the poor girl and that whole IPW UK scene, it sounded like a grooming ring um to us when we talked about it. And you know, there were many other stories coming out of you know that promotion um around then, um, not just the Marty story, and it was it was absolutely shocking. He rightfully lost both of his jobs with Ring of Honor, you know, both as a booker and as a wrestler tried to come back with New Japan, you know, they tried to quietly bring him back to New Japan strong and you know, we talk, we always talk about fans using their voice, you know, or, or voting with your wallet. And I think enough people shouted that, that New Japan listened and didn't use Marty scale. And, you know, there's definitely a, a big part of me that, you know, is kind of happy to see that in the face of no other safeguards. You know, that the fact that, you know, people's voice voices were heard, similar to what happened, I suppose, with, with Paul Robinson in, uh, in progress. But, yeah, uh, you know, there does have to be a conversation at some point as to, you know, can somebody like that? ever return to wrestling um can that person ever you know yes you know can you make the distinction in you know 
some more serious cases than others. Okay, this particular wrestler should never run a training school again. You know, should never be alone with, with with children or vulnerable adults, which is kind of the case when, you know, allegations like these happen in other sports and, and other industries. I know myself from you know I've mentioned before on the podcast, the majority of my work involves DBS checking. You know, people like that, your doctors, your school teachers, um, and others. You know, where the, there are similar allegations to this, and we have to make decisions on whether those people can can work in the role um, that they apply for, and you know there'll be a higher risk to some role than others. You know, maybe at some point there needs to be a conversation as to, yeah, you know, what happens with these cases? You know, are there going to be some people who, you know, should never, ever work again? Or are there going to be some people who, you know, there's an argument for them to to, to perform as a wrestler, but not to not to be involved in training and the like? Um, I don't know if we're ever going to, unfortunately, be able to have that kind of grown-up conversation or have those kind of safeguards in place because it is such a wild west and, what we're left with, like I said, is people traveling across half halfway across the world, and the the only you know police force is is Twitter, and it, and it, you know it's it's people shouting loudly on on social media, and it's just yeah, it's an ugly situation all around, and I really don't know, you know, I, I don't think we all have the answer either, but yeah, it's a it's a really difficult position with a, with no real clear answer. No, I think you uh, summed it up really well there, Benno. Obviously, it is difficult, you know, and we don't want to sort of like, you know, shy away from talking about things like this on this show. But yeah, it is, it is a real tricky one, isn't it, Andy? Yeah, um, I think it's, I think it's one of them for me. Like, um, I've gone to like Mexico and Puerto Rico, and my feelings is some of these countries just don't give as much of the shit as probably we do in the UK about, you know, you know, things that things that things what have happened. And one I found laughable was uh, in what's he called, Bandido coming out saying, No, I didn't know he was on my show. It's your bloody promotion, mate. <laughs> <I know. laughs> and but when he come out with that apology, then you just see people on Twitter like, oh Bandido's gonna learn from his his mistake there. It's like fuck me, it's like double standards for different people it's just get out of here yeah that's it and it's like a as we said you know when the, the paul robinson controversy you know kicked off with progress you know the thing that mainly angered all us it was the lack of transparency wasn't it you know mm-hmm. uh, i think we can all accept that there's going to be promotions that make decisions we don't agree with you know there might be a promotion one those says we're happy for for paul robinson to to wrestle on our shows you know, if they're upfront about that, you can then make your decision whether you want to, you know, vote with your wallet. That's kind of what's happened with with Will Ospreay. Not that I'm, you know, saying that that case is any in any way similar, but you know, that's what's happened. And there are people who are uncomfortable watching that man, so don't go to Rev Pro shows. I think transparency is probably the best thing you can you yeah. can ask for in a lot of cases. But yeah, that that one did make me laugh too. Like, of course, Mandy, don't you? Like, of course. He did, you know, and I've, you know they, they tried to get away with it. It was the other part, other sides of the world, and you know, like Andy said, their attitudes are different. You, we know it from just from the Americans and uh, and other you know nationalities you follow on Twitter. You have a who weren't in you know the middle of it like the rest of us kind of were, and you know have very different attitudes to to some of these wrestlers. It's just a it's just a real hard thing to police when you know it's such a a big scene. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. So, um, yeah. And like you said, then we've said a couple of times on the show, you know, hopefully we do get that transparency and then ultimately the decision's up to you, whether you do sort of like support that promotion or, you know, you know, vote with your wallets. That's, that's all you can do really, isn't it? But, um, 
Moving on to uh, some other quick news items. Um, William Regal's son, Bailey Dempsey, appeared on NXT UK as Charlie Dempsey. Um, did you get a chance to uh, to see his match um, that he, he debuted on, Andy? Oh, it was amazing. Absolutely amazing. The, the hench Roger Daltrey. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's got a great look, to be fair. Yeah, he looks, he looks very similar in his movements to uh, Timothy Thatcher, who, who you've not seen for ages on NXT UK, but uh, not on NXT, on normal NXT. Uh, but no, it was excellent. Um, the match he had with um, Josh Turbo, who's like, he's a very fun job guy. He always gets a few moves in, but he's, he, he always um, like stands his ground. But this um, you don't get any more Brit rest than a guy called Josh Turbo, do you really? <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but I think he's called like Josh Morell on, on there, but I know him as Josh Turbo. But um, uh, but Bailey Matthews, Charlie Dempsey, no, he, he was excellent. The um, the finishing maneuver, what he did, like he, he sort of gets him in a pin and then gets one leg, gets the red, and just like bear hugs him in a pin. And oh, it, it was the most disgusting thing you'll ever see as a finisher but what's a treat but uh, it's going to be a case of he'll get a few wins he may be have a brit you know heritage cup match and then be slotted back down again but it, do, you, do you think there's much upside for him in terms of sort of like main roster and nxt proper and things like that then I don't really, I don't really, I don't really see it, Martin. To be honest, no. has, has, has he got an American football background? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, you know, Regal. Like, there's this revised yeah. history, isn't it? That Regal was this great WWE star. No, like he was mm. a great commissioner, very entertaining. But his yeah. matches weren't, you know, something that you know everybody loved, and they weren't, you know, and they weren't something that fit the WWE style particularly well. And he was never really a pushed commodity in ring. I think as a result, and Son from the bits I've seen kind of feels the same way. He feels like you know Tim Thatcher's a great you know comparison there. He's also you know especially now with the uh, proper NXT being dead and us being in the NXT 2.0 era, couldn't fit the WWE system any less. I think he, he seemed like a lad who was better off. You know we saw him doing like Young Boy Duty, didn't we? For New Japan, it looked like he was gonna blaze a different trail a bit, like what, mm. what Fifth Finley did with uh, with David Finley. Um, yeah, from the bits I've seen of him and the style he, he works, and like I say, the the influence of his dad. I would have expected him to be like a more well travel traveling kind of wrestler than somebody who particularly fits well at all inside the WWE system. Yeah, I definitely think it was, you know, they were thinking of going down that route more than putting in the WWE system, but then obviously the pandemic put um, yeah, yeah. And it was probably more like, well, you're not gonna get to do that at the moment. So you might as well, you know, take the easy money and do NXT UK. That definitely seems that. So yeah, it'll be interesting to uh, you know, you know, follow along with it with with his career. But um just um, some sad news we had, um, I think it was last week, that Killer Kelly um, is pulling away from wrestling for a year due to health issues. She posted a statement on her social media saying she's had problems uh, breathing. So it seems she's, um, you know, she was getting bookings and stuff in, in the US, you know, she'd been in Impact and the like, you know, after sort of like an uneventful turn on, on NXT UK. And um, but she was always going to WXW and, you know, the uh, British promotion she appeared at. But um, huge shame for uh, Killer Kelly there, uh, Benno. But obviously health always comes first with these sorts of things, doesn't it? 
Yeah, you know, Killer Kelly's always been someone, you know, she was vastly underutilized within the WWE system when she was in NXT UK. And it was kind of like a, you know, an out of the open uh, rumor that she was going to be leaving and, and doing her own thing. And then again, the pandemic happened and it was almost the, the worst possible time to try and break out on her own. And, and now this happens. So, no, it, it is, it's sad to see. I mean, I think she had like, I think she had GCW bookings um, lined up as well. Um, yeah. So it's the, the positive of that is, I think, I believe Charlie Evans is, uh, is taking one of those bookings. So, so good for her. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, you know, Killer Kelly is someone who potential was there for everyone to see. They didn't really get her in the NXT UK system. And she felt like somebody, you know, would be better suited to, to promotions outside. So, yeah, let's hope she's uh, not out for too long. No, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I hope, um, you know, all the best uh, to Killer Kelly. But um, just to uh, wrap up the show, obviously, you know, Andy, you've been heading out on the road again, you know, been to a variety of shows. And um, I bumped into you on uh, Sunday because uh, Spirit Pro Wrestling, new promotion based in uh, in Sheffield, had their debut show this past Sunday at the Theatre Delhi, which I thought was a, um, a pretty good venue, about 200 people there, which is um, decent for a show at this level. And um, had a cracking main event, I thought, between uh, Brady Phillips, Man of the Hour, as he is um, against Alexis Falcon. Yeah, no, I was. Um, I thought as a debut show, um, it was it was a very good um, starting off point. The uh, the actual venue itself, lovely uh, like rampway, uh, like video screens and like the light the lighting as well made it look like a professional product. And when I were chatting chatting on the door, they'd sold. Um, I think it was hundred and twelve. They'd sold before the show and like got plenty of walk up. So. You know, to get two two hundred attendants for your first show, I think it's mighty well. It's marked down as family friendly, but nonetheless, two hundred. It's like <laughs> double what Rev Pro and Southside would be drawing at the corporation. Yeah. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, and um, yeah, I was really impressed with that main event, though. I mean, um, obviously, Brady Phillips has been getting a lot of talk, but yeah, just. You know, I saw him, you know, a while back, you know, when it was uh, Southside at the Corp and on a couple of other shows. But, yeah, he's just, you know, he's got the look, hasn't he, the charisma, you know, and, um, you know, obviously he had a great match here with Alexis Falcon, who was, you know, just as good. Yeah, um, they were just very much as equal as each other. Like, there was a bit where, like, Brady Phillips just, like, tossed Alexis Falcon into the chairs, like, fucking well done, well done on taking that, rather you mm. than me. But no, really, just really good 20-minute main event. And if, like the whole crowd was into it. Um, I think I've watched lyrical about Alexis Falcon before, um, you know, with a working TNT and future shot. She's she's definitely someone who's up to game since uh, since the return. Brady, who um I'll probably get to in a moment from his uh, tidal excursions, mm. uh, who who are not in like in like 18 months before Tidal, but yeah, he's returned as the same Brady. And yeah, I keep, I keep tooting the horn of him that he should be booked everywhere. And yeah, he, he just proved again in, in this match. I was, yeah, just one to look out for on the scene. Yeah. Like most shows at this level, you know, some good, some bad. I thought Adam Bolt was really fun as sort of like a lower card heel working, you know, he stick with his security firm, Ivy, Continues to impress me, you know, tons of charisma, you know, as a heel. And um, also, Andy, a guy me and you had never seen before, H-Block. I mean, uh, Benno, his graphic was his name against the brick wall. And, you know, he had the whole prisoner thing going on. I bet you can't guess what his uh, theme tune was. It was some, like, um, 
early 2000s dance tune, which was um, which was um, a bit confusing for a, like a tough guy from prison. So of course he's got that as his theme tune. I was hoping you were going to say like the theme from Prisoner Cell Block H or something. That was there. That was well, that's what uh, Andy and Jeff were. Uh, as soon as he came out, they were like, <laughs> they were saying like, oh, he should be, uh, you know, Prisoner Cell Block H. But um, um, before we move on to uh, what other shows Andy's been to, he, Andy actually got the biggest boo of the evening for uh, winning the uh, main prize in the raffle, didn't you? Yeah, number three six six. I remember that all week. Yeah. <laughs> As soon as I got shouted, I went, hey, and the old crowd went, boo. Even Ivy went, boo, from the uh, old raffle table. So uh, <laughs> no, because I can't go to the uh, net show, I did pass it along to uh, Mr. Bushby. Indeed, yeah, and I did appreciate that. And I just got an email today with my tickets. So, uh, yeah, I did have to do a bit of um, uh, a, a Benno at... Um, sort of like the show in Coventry and race around, you know, asking a bunch of people, but I did get the tickets eventually. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, what, um, so what other highlights from uh, some of the other shows that you've been to this month then, Andy? Yeah. So um, I went to um, Tidal's show at the Leeds Museum, which was uh, a, do- a double header. Um, so the first show got around about 60 people, but t- to be honest, walking into the, the venue itself, it did feel like um you know, like an art exhibit going on with a wrestling ring in the middle of the, mm. this, like this grand museum. Looks a bit similar in setup to the uh, Grand Central Hall in uh, Liverpool. Quite like that, like a amphitheatre type place. Mm. Um, so they got about sixty for the first show. Second show they got double that. What uh, one of the best parts was like during like the halftime break of the first show, you could go downstairs and look at like some of the exhibits in the museum, which like um, stuffed animals and what have you. Just in some a bit different, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, really, really different, and like nice bar on and what have you. Uh, maybe the actual um, like ring announcing and that didn't come across well over the PA, but that's just a a small complaint I, w- I would have, but as a ve- as a venue for wrestling and for tidal, generally they would get about when when they were running the Temple of Boom about one twenty to one thirty, but you were cramped there. But because this is a bigger venue, it does look a bit more spaced out. But highlights from the show was uh, well, I think uh, our live match of the year at the moment, Brady Phillips and uh, Tom Felwell, who just. It did feel like a 15 to 20 minute match where they just went out there to like prove a point of like why they're two, two of the best on the uh, underground scene in the UK. Just fantastic match. Brady Phillips ended up watching that and uh, grappled Gareth with us that day. Um, it survived Port World in the afternoon, unlike uh, our mates Ben and Sean on the, on, <laughs> on the old fish balls. But now Gareth come away like you know waxing lyrical about Brady Phillips, and it was great to see like a first time at a tidal like Gareth coming away like impressed with like wrestlers who I've been banging on about for for ages. Fellwell as well is another one over the last month who's you know getting better and better. He doesn't he does look a bit like um, a bit of a doppelganger for Ricky Knight Jr. now with the more like dark dark emo air like ball cut on him but nah he, he's really improved uh the main event was will cruz against uh luke jacobs which as expected was a hard hitting match uh luke jacobs was 
more on top, uh, more on top of, um, of uh, Cruz than like the bulk of this match. Uh, Cruz, Cruz is definitely someone who's he's very much the dominant champion. I was having to think last night, like how many people have beat him over the like you know since Tyler been running the show, shows over the last couple of years and. I don't think anyone has pinned Will Cruz and they booked him really strongly. Like they beat he beat Rampage, he beat he's beat Luke Jacobs. Now he's beat nearly everyone in the um in the promotion. Uh, so there was that show and also they ran Huddersfield, uh, which it's like an upstairs of um, a pub um, called the parish. Holds about 50, 60 people, but the actual vibe of the place makes it feel like a bit more like the Temple of Boom used to be. So you're right close up to the ring and what have you. And some of the best matches on that were um, Callum Newman, who's another one who I've seen a couple of times, mm. like up north. He, he's he's really impressive. Against uh, Will Cruz again, that name again. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that was like a three point seven five four star match as the main event, but match of the evening um, was a four way match. It was supposed to be like a singles match with a man like Derice versus uh, H H C Drake, but they turned it into like a four way match with Dara Diablo and Rufio, who I'd not seen for a couple of years since like Fight Club Pro and you know the Shard and Grap shows, and th- these four. It was it just like one of them PWG like you know scramble matches where they yeah. just move move move, but it weren't one of them four ways where you know one in one out you do a move get another one in. It was just constant for fifteen minutes and it got a standing ovation at the end of it. And it in the space of like two weeks, I'd seen two matches what Tidal had produced, like the farewell Phillips one. And the um, this four way that got standing ovations. It's like bloody hell, um, and and I've gone away from both their shows. Just like I've I've really enjoyed my evening. I know, like I want you know. Obviously, I'll go again. But I love I love to see them get more people and more eyes on their shows because yeah, I think I do think they are knocking it out of the park at the, at the moment. Yeah, they definitely uh, seem to be getting some sort of like great reviews and stuff. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, so, I would say certainly so. Um, a couple, a couple of uh, things uh, went to was uh, TNT's ignition show at the uh, Fusion Nightclub. Uh, good, good attendance, I thought, for um, their Sunday show. They got about uh, one twenty in there. Um, main event of Scott Olbermann, Cameron Solis, and Sonna Derson uh, for the ignition title. Cracking freeway match that were like dives off balconies and on like the uh, actual bar area. The, it, it was good because like there was um, like a section of the crowd for Scott Auburn, who must have been his mates, and we were chanting for Cameron Solis. So give the uh, give the match a real like atmosphere to it. Um, Auburn won that one. But one thing I will say with the actual ignition shows are uh, twelve to fifteen quid. Mm. Um, to like for entry, and you know they've had actual storylines, you know, like show to show, and the the very very good, a bit more, and I, I would say a bit more of an adult version of Future Shock. Um, I would I would compare it to, but I've heard like the 
actual you know, like the main TNT shows, they are looking to move them from Saturday back to their original night of Thursdays because they were thinking of they drew more on a on a Thursday night. But mm. and, and and also with Saturday shows, you you're clashing with other promotions nearby, like TNT have clashed with Tidal the last couple of months. And I would generally like to go more of the TNT shows on the Saturday, but because Tidal's closer, I'll go to I'll go to that one. And just final thing was the uh, Catch uh, Pro Wrestling Enigma show at um, the Bread Shed in Manchester, which is like <laughs> uh, it's like it's like a back room of the uh, Flower and Flag and Pub, but it's in the university area. So they ran on a Monday night. Um, I think you know trying to get in at the time where. You know, universities are back and like fresh as yeah. And I would say they drew about fifty, anywhere between fifty and sixty at, at best. Uh, maybe ten or fifteen of those were like wrestling wrestling related people. But I think the the show they did put on for uh, you know like twelve pound fifty a ticket. The show they did put on was much better than the main shows that they have been putting on. For like seven, 17, 18 quid at the union and what have you. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but like I said earlier, best best match of this show was um the Ethan Allen Chris Ridgeway match. It was about I, th- I think it only got announced like a day or two be- before the show. Um, yeah. Uh, before the show on Monday. But yeah, what once he got to it, it, it very much like. You know, hole for hole for the first five minutes, and it, it sort of like kicked up a notch. Um, where I think Ridgeway like booted Ethan like on the ropes while he had his arm on the ropes, and like the crowd like, oh come on, Ethan! And they were fully behind like Ethan Allen for most most of the match, uh, but it's Allen just showing his underdog baby face fire, and you know the crowd willing him to win, but in the end, Chris Ridgeway won. Like bloody hell, a multitude, multitude of kicks. Maybe, maybe say two, quite a few, too many near falls. But I f- thought I did think, even though there was like 50, 50, 60 people there, they did add a bit of atmosphere to the match. And uh, certainly one of my line matches of the year, uh, where, you know, when I get to it in uh, in December. And you can you can watch it on uh, YouTube on uh, Catch Pro Wrestling's. Uh, YouTube channel, it's 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 worth 20, 22 minutes of your time, um, if if nothing if nothing else. But I will, I will, I will say say with Chris Ridgeway, I'm I'm maybe not his biggest fan, but it's it's always when he has a when he has a right opponent, he, he does come out of his come out of his shell. Um, but it's a bit few and far between for me. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Andy's sort of like you know. There's a you know a lot of matches and a lot of names there, but now um, sort of like your Will Cruisers and your Brady Phillips have they been on on your radar much? Only from listening to Andy, to be honest. Mm. Um, I don't think I definitely don't think I've seen Will Cruz. Um, I just heard Andy rave about him, and you know as you mentioned there, Gareth um, rave about the the two of them as well. Obviously, someone like Alexis Falcon, someone I'm very familiar with from seeing up in the, in this area, and it sounds like yeah, she's got you know even better. But yeah, you know. Uh, those are the, the the types of uh types of wrestlers that that we need um you know to to kind mm. of you know 
make it you know those combinations of wrestlers as well you know like a tom thelwell like he's someone who you know andy's joked about before as being like the, the third young gun and you know from hearing you know andy talk about him recently and hearing garrett talk about seeing him at that show as well it sounds like you know he's he's stepping into it his own as well so you know that that is you know stuff that you like to hear at these you know these smaller shows that there are people who are who are making an impression standing out from the crowd and and offering something different than maybe that the same old names we're seeing a, a lot of these kind of size shows are around the country yeah it definitely seems like you know there's a lot of people bubbling under and a lot of people sort of like filling out you know cards that aren't all the same names that you know you know that we see on these shows yeah so definitely uh interesting to see and you know and, and good to see um but before we get out of here, you know, um, we'll get some plugs in. Andy, um, you know, obviously, Graps and Claps, um, you've had uh, quite a number of episodes uh, this past month. Yeah, so we've, we've had the reviews from uh, Tidal, uh, Leeds and Huddersfield. We had the uh, Spirit Pro Wrestling uh, review, um, also like TNT um, as, as well, and also uh, a review of... WWF one night only 1997. Um, you know, with British Bulldog and Shawn Michaels. Oh, yeah. A, gr- a great pay per view to uh, look back on with uh, RGF and uh, Kieran Lafort. Uh, coming up, uh, we obviously, again, many show reviews. We're going to uh, North Wrestling up in Newcastle at the Anarchy Brew Co., which is uh, another new venue we're going to be visiting. Uh, we also got TNT, we got Tidal as ever. Future Shots got a double header, Catch Pro Wrestling. Yeah, we're here, there, and everywhere. And um, go and follow us at uh, Graps and Claps on Twitter, at Oggie Part Free on Twitter. And um, go to the Linktree link uh, on, on my Twitter for you. For all your train line, your booking.com, your beer 52, your gigantic tickets, and your Red Pro tickets. Give us your money. <laughs> Everything all in one place. Yeah. What more could you want? <laughs> we need is like a tour date page. That's what I want. Where are the Ogden brothers going to be next? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think most people just follow you guys around the country. They're going to be a good plan. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. And uh, Benno, what about you over at um, Grapple Towers? Um, yeah, obviously a regular spotlight show uh, every Monday covering the uh, the world of wrestling. This last weekend we did uh, an Owen Hart um, special, a, a deep cut episode where we kind of looked at Owen Hart and the WWF and uh, kind of the story um, of his career throughout the, uh, that company. So that was fun. And yeah, at least tonight I'm going to be recording an episode. We've got a we we got him in for one. Uh, Mark. We got we got Jamesy back for the for the world transfer window, <laughs> and I've uh, tempted him with another one. He's doing a with us a, a mixtape on the the best of Brian. Danielson uh, in Ring of Honor. It was a hard choice uh, narrowing it down to uh, to the six to eight matches that we usually do. But uh, Jamesy was the uh, absolute man for the job. So really excited to uh, to chat uh, Danielson with him and talk like maybe some matches that might be a little bit better than the uh, the five stars Meltzer gave to uh, to Kenny Omega and uh, and Danielson from uh, from Dynamite the other week. But yeah, hype for that to come out. So yeah, keep an eye out for that at uh, patreoncom grapple. Oh, yeah, definitely. Really looking forward, as I know a lot of people are to that, uh, you know, Danielson with you and Jamesy going at it, talking about, you know, some of your favourite matches of his. That'll be absolutely cracking. And also, you know, your appearance with uh, John and Way talking about the Osprey documentary, you know, that was really, really good. I thought you, you know, especially, you know, having to be, you know, the bespoke uh, person talking <laughs> about, you know, uh, you know, different sides of Brit wrestling. I thought you did really, really well. But um. I know you did um, a Q&A episode, didn't you, uh, recently as well, you know, where uh, fans of Grapple can throw in, you know, questions and stuff and someone, you know. Trying to get me in trouble, asked, yeah. uh, Fuck, marry, kill, Pollock, Bush beating. And can you believe it, Andy? 
Benno wanted to kill me, you know, of that. Uh, rather than marry me, he killed me. <laughs> I didn't want to as a mercy killer. Listen, you wouldn't want to be married to me, mate. And, and if we had sex, we wouldn't be able to look at each other again. Never mind podcast again. So, you know, murder felt like the nice way out. It was John and Way that I felt uh, I felt bad for. But... So you, were, yeah. you were happy to fuck uh, John and Way. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. But yes, the Osprey uh, documentary episode. Yeah, it was a really good episode of Rewind Away. Um, yeah, it was a. Uh, I was made up to do that. That was a, you know, it's a, a dream for me because I've been listening to to review away for a, a long, long, long time. So just the idea of being on that show with uh, with those two lads was great, and yeah, it was a, a good subject for me as well. So yeah, um, hopefully uh, people enjoyed that, and yeah, hopefully uh, John and Way don't listen this uh, this long on BWE. <laughs> yeah, no, but definitely yeah, check out that Osprey one. I thought you did an absolutely <laughs> fantastic job. Yeah, um, certainly, you know, obviously. You had to talk about a lot of difficult subjects, and I thought, you know, he did it absolutely brilliantly. So, uh, top work on that one, mate. But, um, yeah, obviously, go and check out the transfer window. That was a really, really fun show with the return of Jamesy. You know, check that out. Uh, and me and Andrew also welcomed uh, Chinieri Oak for him to talk about PWG Black Colson on the uh, latest Bushby and Thompson. And uh, me and Benno will be back uh, the second Thursday of next month. And me and Andrew have a show coming up in a couple of weeks. So look out for that. And obviously, all roads lead to postwrestling.com. And uh, we will catch you next month. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you later.